Welcome to the Encourage Project. I'm Amy Fairchild. And this morning, I needed an attitude adjustment. I woke up with an emotional hangover from yesterday, and it needed to be addressed, frankly. Yesterday, I went to the grocery store, and when I was putting groceries back in my car, I was closing the hatch, I noticed that someone had backed into my car, and it wasn't just a, hey, little scratch. No, <laughs> caved in the bumper, cracked the rear quarter panel, cracked the tail light, and in that moment, I went straight up Southern. I was so angry. And further, they didn't even leave me a note. They didn't stay, n- nothing. They left. It's just a car. It is just a car. I get it. And also, I worked really hard for that car. (laughs) That car was a birthday present to myself on a milestone birthday. And I've had that car three years. It's a black car. It has one rock chip in it in three years. I take impeccable care of that car. And someone mushed it. So this morning I woke up and I was replaying the whole talking to the insurance company and talking to my mom and talking to my friend and I was getting all wound up. I'm like, well, no, that is not going to work. So I crawled up on my perch in my kitchen and I spent some time in quiet and I spent some time reflecting and journaling and I was reminded of something that I've known a long time. That is, I don't know why that person drove off. I don't know. Maybe they were under the influence and they were scared. Maybe they had an emergency and they had to get out of there fast. Maybe they didn't even know they hit my car. I'd be shocked. I mean, they really hit it hard, (laughs) but maybe they didn't know. And I realized that the only person who's hurting over all this is me for carrying all of that energy. I have compassion for that person and I'm letting that go. And I just hope if this person by some strange occurrence of the universe hears this podcast, I just hope that the next time you're in a situation where you have an opportunity to stand in integrity that you choose to do so. So there you go. I feel so much better. See, that's one of the beautiful things about the community. You can come in and you can share and get support and love and we move our projects forward. I'm so grateful for our community. And wherever you're listening to this, give the podcast a like or give us a review. Give us a five-star review, which would be lovely. But more importantly and even better, share with others. There's so much goodness in a community where people are are striving and supporting and sharing. And I so appreciate you being here and I so appreciate you sharing it with others. Let's talk about getting into action. Last episode, I shared with you this notion that human projects have three buckets of activity that comprise what I term PAR, and it's planning, action, and reflection. And when we talked last time, we talked about planning and and some of the the challenges in planning, like analysis paralysis. And we also talked about how curiosity creates momentum. 
and that your plan does not have to be perfect. Just like your vision doesn't have to be perfect in the beginning, your plan can evolve over time. So even if it's not completely ironed out with all the steps defined, if you've got one or two to get you started, take action on those and make some small achievements and reflect on those and refine over time. And those future steps will become more and more clear. So what's the key to actually taking action? It seems pretty simple, just do it. Yes, it is simple. And also it is not always easy. There are two things that prevent us, in my view, from taking action. You see, action really is completed first in your mind. Action is a decision. And then the things follow along, the physical action, the intellectual action, the emotional action, those things follow the decision. But sometimes we, we have a great plan and we know what needs to happen, but for whatever reason, we don't quite jump off the cliff and take the action. And it's because the decision hasn't been galvanized. What are some things that keep us from making that decision? In my view, there are essentially two things that can prevent us from making the decision to act. The first is fear, fear of failure, fear of looking stupid, fear of what people think, fear of not knowing enough or having enough resources. All kinds of things can show up as fear. The interesting thing about fear is sometimes it creates a self-fulfilling outcome. For example, fear of failure. For example, I might say, I I feel afraid, so I don't do anything, and therefore nothing gets done. So you see, I'm a failure. By virtue of buying into that, I made it happen. Fear is one of the things that can prevent us from making a decision. And we're gonna talk in a minute about how we address fear. But the other thing that can prevent us from making a decision is how we define ourselves. Oftentimes, people use the phrase, I am, in defining themselves. And anything that follows the I am is viewed by themselves and, and, and frankly, maybe even others as essentially fact. I am a human. Well, that's a fact. I am a female. That's a fact. I am a daughter, a sister, a blonde. Well, only my hairdresser knows if that's a fact. <laughs> But you see my point, I am, and whatever follows it, is deemed, generally speaking, as fact. What about statements like, I am lazy, I am stupid, I am a procrastinator. When we make statements that begin with I am, there is a certain resoluteness to the statement. And also there's a certain helplessness. So If something is a fact, it can lead a person to feel like, well, nothing can be done about it. I can't change it. So I wipe my hands of the responsibility. So you can see how if I define myself as a lazy person by saying I am lazy, well, I'm kind of helpless. Nothing I can do about being lazy. No responsibility here. It's interesting. So the two things that can keep us from making a decision in my view are fear and how we define ourselves. I said we're going to talk about the fear in a second, but let's talk about how we redefine ourselves. Instead of making statements of I am, 
What if we make statements of I feel or I choose? For example, instead of me saying I am lazy, which is deemed a fact essentially and nothing I can do about it, so therefore I have no responsibility. If I say I feel lazy, what I'm saying is I choose to reprioritize my time differently. I take back my power. And also, (laughs) I actually have to take back responsibility to act accordingly. The way we can address how we redefine ourselves is by choosing statements like I feel or I choose versus I am. I feel kind of stupid. Well, okay, I can go learn something. That's not a fact. I can go learn. I can find a mentor. I can do some research and I can take the responsibility to act accordingly. So you see how that feels differently. So that's how we can redefine ourselves. But how do you overcome fear? I would argue that you don't. I would argue you do not overcome fear. You do things despite fear. And that essentially is called courage. You know, courage is a choice. Courage is a willingness to confront danger, pain, uncertainty, embarrassment, intimidation, all the things, and act anyway. There might actually be people on this on this earth who really are fearless that have no fear whatsoever, and I am not one of them. <laughs> I would suggest that for the majority of us, it's a matter of confronting those things that create the fear in us and moving past that uncertainty. Courage is that rather than the absence of fear. You know, when Kenny Lamb and I talked in his interview, he mentioned that the things he feared, once he finished them, he found they were not nearly as scary as what he had made them out to be. Now, by taking courageous steps, it doesn't mean that the steps are easy. It doesn't mean that the fear goes away. What it does mean is that it becomes a little more simple. How do we confront that fear? How do we combat the fear to continue action and to create momentum? I think the first thing I would tell you is that fear doesn't go away. It just doesn't. There is science that says the brain protects us from that which makes us uncomfortable, aka fearful. And the brain doesn't really know the difference between your physical reaction to, let's say, a woolly mammoth or your physical reaction to giving a speech. The brain doesn't know the difference. The brain just knows that you are filled with adrenaline and fear and it reacts the same way. However, you can override the brain and say, hey, that's not a woolly mammoth. Yes, it's an audience full of people and it kind of feels the same, but I'm going to push past it because I am not in a life-threatening situation and I choose to go forward anyway. It doesn't make the situation any less scary, but it empowers you to make make forward momentum. And interestingly, sometimes your best attempts to combat fear and discomfort don't stop the physical response. So for me, oh, and this is so embarrassing, one of my physical reactions to fear or anxiety or nerves, if you will, is my eyes water. And sometimes they water so much they leak out and I look like I'm crying. I was in an interview about a year ago with the number two person at a very large company. And she and I were talking and she was asking these tough questions and I was answering and it was all going really great. And then she asked me something that terrified me and I knew the answer, but it just completely terrified me. 
my eyes welled up and tears started to come out of my eyes. She's like, oh my gosh, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. (laughs) I blew it off as allergies. It happens to everyone. You can't always stop the bodily response, but you can override your brain's reaction. I encourage you, make friends with fear. Make friends with fear. Invite fear to teach you something. What fear has taught me is that sometimes you gotta tell a little white lie about why your eyes are leaking everywhere. It's also given me confidence. Fear has given me confidence. All the times that I've taken on something scary and I've used my courage to move through it, I've added one more rung in my ladder of confidence. And also, I've gained joy and insight from it. And it has helped me help other people. So fear won't go away. It just won't. So how do we combat it? What are some of the tools that can help us feel less fearful or can help us manage that fear more effectively as we move into taking action? Some very simple things that I have found to be effective. One is a checklist. There is something for some people, and I get not everyone works with checklists. I get it. Maybe yours is a bubble chart. Maybe it's a collage. I don't know. There are different ways you can create checklists. But there is something about having a list at the beginning of the day, for example, and checking things off as I get them done, even when I get to the scary things. It feels so good to do a scary thing and check it off my list. So a checklist is one way that you can help manage through fear. Another way that I have found and I love this, I do this all the time, is it's very simple. It's a calendar with stickers. Every day that I follow the food plan I intended to follow, I get a star. Every day that I write in the journal and make my commitments to my peace and solitude, I get a smiley face. And I get to look at my calendar at the end of the month and see how many smiley faces I have and see how many stars I have. And and I come up with different stickers for different kinds of things that I'm working on. But a calendar and stickers is a fun way to see progress and manage through fear. Another way to manage through fear and to get into action is using tools and techniques that have been created by others. Mel Robbins, which if you haven't heard of Mel Robbins, go check her out. She's phenomenal. Wrote a book called The Five Second Rule, and it's about the neuroscience of the time between a person makes a decision and they take action. And that exists in about a five second span. And she talks about how to get through those five seconds into action. So Mel Robbins and The Five Second Rule, check it out. It's a phenomenal tool. Another tool to get into action and maintain momentum and push through fear is by getting an accountability partner. You know, accountability partners you should choose very wisely. And what I mean by that is choose an accountability partner who has a similar goal. It doesn't have to be the same goal, but maybe they also want to start a business like you do. Maybe they want to tackle a health objective like you do. Someone who has a similar goal and who may experience similar challenges. Two years ago, I took a dating and relationships course and it was a 10 week course and we were assigned accountability partners, which was kind of weird because I didn't know these two women and I didn't know anything about their dating experience or where they were in their journey to be better daters and have richer relationships. And so we kind of learned each other a few weeks in. And one of the commitments that we were asked to make in this course was over the 10 weeks, we were asked not to date 
we were asked if we were in a relationship, which I was not at the time, if we were in a relationship to, you know, maintain that to the best of our ability. But if it, if it broke off, don't find a new one, all the things. So basically there was a moratorium on dating for 10 weeks. And every week when I met with my accountability partners, this one partner would talk about the dates that she went on or the person that asked her out or the person she was pursuing on the online dating site or whatever. And I'm like, that's not what I need. I need someone who's doing the same thing I'm doing. I need someone who's saying no to dating and yes to themselves. We probably will do an episode on my whole human project around dating. But anyway, that's for another episode. So choose an accountability partner who has similar goals and has similar beliefs about about what you each want to accomplish and who also can gently, kindly, and firmly hold you accountable. Accountability means, hey, I'm telling you what I'm doing and I'm giving you the authority and trust to call me out when you think I'm not doing it, to call me out when you think I'm handing you some bullshit, to love me enough to give me the hard conversation. So accountability partners choose wisely, but they are an invaluable tool in achieving a human project for a lot of people. The last thing I would tell you about tools to kind of combat fear and get into action and keep action going into momentum is view tasks and actions as gifts rather than obligations. You know, like Kenny Lamb said, fall in love with the process. And how do you do that? Well, I was talking with a potential client yesterday and I suggested to her that over the next 30 days, She keep a journal of some of her thoughts about her human project. She's kind of spinning in a bunch of different directions and she wants to get a little more clear. And I said, well, take a journal and spend a few minutes each day just writing your thoughts about what's going on. And she said, I don't know if I can commit to that. That just seems so burdensome. I just, I can't add one more task to my list. And I said, well, maybe you should flip your thinking. Rather than viewing it as a have to, why don't you view it as a gift? or I get to. And the gift is insight. And the gift is information. The gift is the time to yourself. You know, taking time each day to write a few thoughts. And then the next day, having the opportunity to review those and reflect on them. And then over time, see what trends appear, see what themes appear, and use those as gifts toward your ultimate decision. I mean, who the heck is afraid of a gift? I don't know of anyone who is. There might be someone, but I don't know who they are. <laughs> so so view tasks as gifts to your ultimate objective rather than obligations or drudgery. Fall in love with the process. So you've made a decision, you've taken some action, you've used courage and tools to push past and through fear, and you've felt it anyway because it's not going away. Well, what happens when you push through fear? What happens when you get on the other side? Well, what happens when you get on the other side is glorious. There's joy on the other side. There is confidence on the other side of fear. There is insight. There is momentum. And there's information, usable information on the other side of fear. What worked? What worked for me in this fearful situation? What didn't work for me? I recently spoke at my mom's partner's funeral and the priest told me before the funeral, he said, you know, if you feel yourself getting emotional, just say the word vomit. I'm like, what? (laughs) He's like, I don't know what it is, 
but that word does something to the brain that overrides the emotional meltdown you're about to have. And it, it helps me all the time. <laughs> I'm like, really? So I get up there and I'm about to do what I was asked to do. And I'm, I'm about to cry. And I said to everyone there, I said, well, the priest told me that if I felt like I was about to cry, I should say the word vomit. So can we please all say the word vomit? Everyone in the congregation and I said the word vomit. And then I was able to get through. The point is, you get information when you push through fear. And that information is what worked, what didn't work, and what can you leverage the next time you're in a similar situation. It's beautiful. It's beautiful on the other side of fear. Finally, once you've made a decision and you've gotten into action and you've pushed through fear, the gift you get on the other side of that, in addition to joy and confidence and insight, is the gift of reflection. And we're going to talk about reflection next time. So what action can you take today to create momentum in your project? Maybe you need to create a reward system for yourself. Maybe you need some stickers and a calendar. Maybe you need a checklist. Take one action today that moves your project from planning toward fruition. And then take some time to reflect. What ahas, oh nos, and yippies do you have to share? My yippie this week is, yippee, I was able to overcome my emotional hangover. So ahas, oh nos, and yippies, share those in the community. You can find the Encourage Project on Facebook and Instagram, and I would love it if you reached out to me directly. You can send me an email to hello at theencourageproject.com. Well, that's it for this edition get into action and shine. Be well, be kind, and take care. 